I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy. So happy to have you on today. Listening in from wherever you are, going to give a huge shout out to our um, sponsor of today's show, Lori. And Lori, I don't know how to say your last name. And Kevin doesn't know how to say your last name. <laughs> Dr. Barnes doesn't know how to say your last name. Well, we have a, you know, just not run totally sure. We have a few sure. ideas. Yes. L-I-E-N. Lori Lean. Lion. Instinctively, I'm going to say lean. Okay. But Go for I it. I could be totally Lori wrong. Lori is listening to us in El Macero, California. Wow, thank Lori, you. Lori, thank you yeah. so much for your incredibly generous contribution. Um. We are so grateful to every single sponsor of The Remedy. If you are interested in sponsoring an episode, we would be so grateful. It's so easy. All you have to do is go to tovacito.com, click on The Remedy, click on Make a Contribution, and it's easy. So, and any amount helps, and Kevin pays rent. And it, yeah, <laughs> greatly appreciated. <laughs> Lives, in fact, I paid him we today live another day. because yep. of Lori Line, Lean, Line. Leave. It shouldn't be that hard if it's only four letters. I, I know. I feel like we're just not getting it. But I feel like they're out of order. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Lori. Um, okay, we are back t- this week again with Dr. Gary Barnes. Um, we were here last week talking about faith, and it was just so good, so powerful. And I can't imagine, I love that you use the word remedy. There were some mm-hmm. good, good... We're in need of remedy. Yeah, we are, yes. <laughs> big time. Um, so I asked you to to talk about faith last week, mm-hmm. and this week I want you to talk about communication. Yes. Because that's a problem. Yes. In relationships. Yes. And I really appreciate you setting us up so we had it in that sequence, because um, if you have a faith foundation you have a whole different playing field to think about your communication and also to change mm-hmm. your communication. It's good. So, but what, it's so interesting if you just look at what we've learned apart from faith, we see how important communication is. And mm-hmm. our interactive choices with one another in the two main domains of a relationship, re- enrichment and management, mm-hmm. is all going to be determined by am I intentionally choosing to move towards you mm-hmm. or am I on autopilot moving against you or away from you? Mm. See, So we ha- we're really expanding the communication understanding here. Mm-hmm. It's not just what I'm verbally saying to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's my verbal and my nonverbal. It's the whole exchange right. between two people. Somebody right. says, everything is communication. And I, I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. We could, because we feel everything. We feel the... The talking, we feel the movement, physical movement, yeah. and and I mean body if, language, all of it. It's if speak- I'm not communicating, I'm communicating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's so true. It's so true, and yet I'm sure just having a a practice. I mean, wouldn't you say this is like top one, two things that people come in for? Like we are having a difficult time communicating. We aren't communicating. We don't know how to communicate however they are. It it may not be what people are giving as their presenting problem, Mm. but as they're talking about their presenting problem, it's always mixed in Mm. with it. Mm -hmm. It's never not mixed Mm. in. Mm. That's a very interesting (laughs) observation. So I'm really (laughs) glad we're talking about it today. So um, let's just start by... um, by talking about, 
I think I think one of the most difficult things in communication um, is the listening part, mm-hmm. especially in conflict, because it's so easy when you're in conflict to only be thinking about what's going to come out of your the rebuttal, what's what you're going to say next. Yes, is that your observation? Yes, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so, uh, just right out of the shoot, how do we? In communication, in communicating, how do we com- become better listeners? Great. So, at one level, you could say there's a universal need for better information and better skills. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, that's doesn't take much to establish the importance mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. because a lot of times we're actually lacking in what we need to know information-wise to be better speakers and listeners. Mm. And even if we know it, we may be lacking the skills Mm. to actually implement it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here's the problem, though. Research is also clear on this. Having the right information and the right skills is necessary but insufficient Mm. for good communication. Mm. Because even the experts, and I can give you names, Mm -hmm. who've written the books have still gotten divorced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because they had a lack of information or a lack of skills. Mm -hmm. So we're having to work at two levels simultaneously here. We're, We're working at the upper level, which is the observable. It's like what you see, like the iceberg, the top of the iceberg. So what you see in terms of the exchange of communication and skills or the lack of. Mm -hmm. We do need to work at that level, Mm -hmm. okay? But that's not going to be sufficient to only work at that level Mm -hmm. because there's always, for us as humans, the part of the iceberg that's below the waterline that's not seen, Mm -hmm. and that's connected to what happens above the Mm waterline. You might say it's the motor that drives. What see? you see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I need motor transformation as well as good information and skills. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Very important to mm-hmm. have both. Mm-hmm. It's not an either or. Yeah. And we, uh, a, lo- a lot of people in our field tend to fall into either or camps mm-hmm. on this. Why? It seems so... It seems so obvious to me that both would apply i can't explain that yeah (laughs) that's just an observation (laughs) (laughs) yeah it seems very clear to me that both would play a very significant Mm -hmm. part in the success or not success so then that begs the question if we're communicating and operating on what we see and if we are only doing that it's probably not going to work out that well. How do we begin to, to recognize, mm-hmm. acknowledge, take into consideration the things that we can't see? Yes. How so, do you teach people to do that? Yeah, so um, uh, I have what I call the triple A model for change. <laughs> is, this, is, this okay. your, is this yours? I've, did you read? The, did it, you come up with this? I think I did, but I can't remember <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it sounds like you. <laughs> I might have stolen it from somebody, but its I can't remember. But anyway, I still matter. use it. Okay. okay. So the three A's are awareness, attitude, and action. Okay. So on awareness, I have to be aware of two things. I have to be aware of what it is that I naturally and automatically do mm-hmm. that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That we don't want to recognize and yes. we don't want to see. And I have to not just be casually acquainted with that. I, ha- I have to be deeply acquainted yeah. with what my own default mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and We can talk more about the specifics of that, but okay. that's a really important first step. If I miss this first step, everything else isn't going to follow through. Yeah. So that's awareness of what I naturally and automatically do. I need to also have an awareness of what I personally, in a customized way, need to intentionally do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So I have to have both things in clear sight mm -hmm. as if I'm going to get anywhere. Yep. I have to have those really clear, not in a general way, but in a really specific, customized, personal way mm -hmm. for me. Okay. So after I get the first A of those two awarenesses, then I have to have an attitude change. Mm. And the attitude change boils down to even though this is what naturally and automatically happens for me, and I might even be able to explain why, mm -hmm. I'm not allowing it to determine what happens mm. with me. Mm. It's really good. See? So it could explain it, but it doesn't excuse it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the attitude change as I'm moving from explaining and excusing to explaining and owning mm -hmm. and overriding. That's a huge yeah. <laughs> shift yeah. right there. So I'm no longer saying you make me. Mm. Crazy. Angry. You make me respond to you this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Yep. Who wouldn't respond to you in this way? Mm -hmm. That kind of a thing. I think I've said that exact yeah. thing before. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do too. So, And that's the attitude change. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Then the third A is the action, and that is I intentionally follow through with the new and different response that has a new and different outcome that is the positive, constructive, nurturing, growth, giving, positive change mm -hmm. that's needed. Mm -hmm. So here, here's what happens in my life and what happens in everybody that comes to see me is we have a desire for something to be different, and it might even be for something in me personally to be different, or it might be an interaction exchange to be different. I might feel like my relationship is not stable and satisfying, or I might feel like it's stable but not satisfying. I may want to change, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, the first question that we work through when people come in is, tell me what gets us together. Tell me what you would like your change picture to look like. And then the third thing is, let's talk about strategies that would move you from where you are to where you want to go. Hmm. See, that's the first time you meet with a couple. That's our first conversation. That's the first conversation. Most all of us hmm. have in mind a change picture and a dissatisfaction with our present picture, but we keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome. Right. Definition of insanity. Yeah. But we're, that's just a human thing. Yeah. We're just prone to do that. Okay. Yeah. So that's where the three A's have to kick in. So let me ask you, when a couple comes in and, and you ask them this question, is it, are, are most couples, are those three, the answers to those three questions the same? No. Oh, interesting. No. And then that gives us a whole new way of working. Wow. See? Because sometimes people have similar reasons of why they're coming together, mm -hmm. but they have two different ideas of what their change picture looks like. Oh, I bet they do. Yeah. <laughs> well, if she just, yeah. and if he just, then yeah. it would all be yeah. fine. Yeah, I bet. that. That's a very interesting, I bet, I bet those three questions just provide such insight into the real problems. And you don't know what you're going to get. Right. You're just setting it in motion right. and then you have to adjust with what emerges. So do you find that often women want the same thing and men want the same thing, even though those things are different? Do you um, hear similar things from women and similar things from men? Uh, yes and no. Sometimes it's actually the reverse. Mm. So... There's some common things, but um, you don't want to get over-stereotyped yeah. in it because it'll surprise you. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I just wondered if there was some common thread with mm -hmm. with what... Because it does seem like whenever I... When I'm with my girlfriends or even if I'm counseling people that there are, there are some... There are some common threads. Yeah, there's yeah. some common threads with what women mm -hmm. want and what men yes. want. 
And um, not that it matters, but it, I was just curious. Well, you have to work with it because yeah. you know we're looking for oneness that's not based in sameness. Yeah. And if yeah. I'm thinking you have oneness the way I have oneness, and I keep forcing that on you, but it's not working, then that has to change. Yeah. So if a when a couple comes in and they 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 have their first question they answer the same, but their they their outcomes or strategies are different. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you work to help them get on the same page? So or do they have to get on the same page well, in order for it to work? Um, there has to be something somewhere that gets them on the same page, but it might be different from what they thought it was. Mm. If there's nothing that gets them on the same page, we can't work together. Yeah. We, we can't do it. Yeah. Is it common that one wants it more than another? Yes. That's got to be tough. Yeah. That's a hard. Yeah. It's always going to be the case that one person cannot do the work for two people. Right. Right. It's not always the case that it's 50-50 work. Yeah, I, I hear that, mm-hmm. see that. But I, uh, I think that would be really hard. It would be hard for you to work with them, and it's it would hard be really hard. Yeah, it would yeah. be hard for everybody. Um, there, so I, I mentioned to you before, I do premarital counseling, mm-hmm. and one of, um, one of the weeks we talk about deal breakers. And, you know, these are the things that mm-hmm. absolutely cannot happen in our relationship. Um, not that ultimately the it would be a divorce or whatever, but this, like, this is off the table mm-hmm. in our relationship. And you can imagine that most of the time the answers are pretty similar, mm-hmm. you know. But there was this one couple that came in, and I love this couple. Um, I, I, I loved him so much. He was just such a great guy and loved Haley so much. But uh, it's Haley and Bobby, and they would never mind me sharing this because I've shared it a thousand times, and it's so sweet. But I asked, you know, what Bobby, mm-hmm. what's your list? Haley had already gone. And he said, I've never heard this answer before. And he said, I only have one. And I said, really? And he said, yep, I only have one. And I said, what is it? And he said, he looked at her, and he's like, you can't give up. You can't give up. Like, we can get through anything hmm. as long as we don't give up. Hmm. I just started crying. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. They were asking, how can we help you? Yes, yes. <laughs> don't worry about me over here. <laughs> But I just loved that answer because, you know, problems are going to come and everybody, every marriage has big problems, small problems. And, um, and just that, that idea that we're in this together and we're always going to be fighting for this. Yes. Um, which gets us back to communication. Yes. Apart from that, you can't do it. Yeah, you can't right? do it. You cannot do it. But then again, everything is communication. So yeah. I have to kind of expand my way of thinking about that and also my applications yeah. with it. So I love how you, um, in that number one, you use the word intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get off a default. Yes. You get off of, and which is so understandable. I mean... Groundhog yes. Day movie yes. is very real. You know, the alarm goes off the yes. same time every morning. And it's deep. It's yes. very deep, like we talked about in our last session. It goes all the way back to our initial newborn experiences. Yeah. See? Yeah. And everything that happens from that point forward is all programming mm-hmm. me, even at a neurobiological level mm. of how I do what I do and why I do what Mm. I do. Mm. And it shows itself in this exchange, these interactional exchanges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have to take a two-level approach. There Mm -hmm. has to be this above-the-waterline information and skills. Mm -hmm. I have to really be intentional at that level, but I've got to be intentional at the underlying level 
of the motors that are driving it mm-hmm. and what's going to free up those motors. So I need motor transformation mm-hmm. and skill acquisition. And how do you teach a couple those two things? So if we go through our three A's, mm-hmm. the awareness thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's we, let's, we, let's start with that. So okay. we'll... Um, We'll break it down into the two different domains. So there's the enrichment domain and then the management domain. Okay. So um, so in the enrichment domain, this also can't be on autopilot. Now, at the very beginning of relationships, it does work pretty well mm-hmm. on autopilot. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of more naturally and automatically making interactional choices that gives the message of I choose us and creating the impact of love in the other person. Mm. And the reason for that is in the newness of the relationship, I've changed my biochemistry in my brain. Mm -hmm. I have elevated levels of chemicals that shape my choice making. Mm You might say I have a love cocktail going on (laughs) in my brain. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so it does become more natural and automatic for me to make I choose us message rather than I choose me. Mm -hmm. And that's biologically, Biologically scientifically happening. It doesn't take a lot of effort. Oxytocin, serotonin, norepinephrine, dopamine. These are all at higher levels mm-hmm. out of the newness of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why in your premarital counseling, I would say most of your couples are going to say, yeah, we're not like those other couples. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to have a different outcome. <laughs> See? And they're really excited about yeah, it. And, they mean it. And that's great. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to rain on that parade. Of course. Okay? But I do want to bring a little reality check to it. Mm-hmm. And that is your present relationship satisfaction and excitement and hope and perceived compatibility will have zero predictability Mm. when your relationship is no longer new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because all relationships, if you stay together, become familiar. Mm -hmm. In other words, they're not new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, my Biology in my brain goes back to baseline again, Mm -hmm. and I have normal chemical levels in my brain, and then the new natural and automatic becomes I choose me Mm -hmm. instead of I choose us. That's the new default. And I go back to all of those pre-programmed personality and life experiences I've had that are going to make me more prone to move away or against rather than move towards. You mentioned a little, you are giving a lot more context and details today, but you mentioned that quickly in the first time we met. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you mentioned that two years. Two to right? three years two for most years. couples is now, the could it transition. Be less? Could it be? It depends on what your experiences are during that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is it that how 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 do experiences affect that, or why do experiences affect that? Help me understand that. So um, our experiences are are either going to work towards or work against it just becoming familiar. Mm. So you know, even though I've been married for forty two years now, there's ways that our relationship continues to be new. Mm. Things change, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We often joke that Kathy's been married to four different husbands and they're all me. <laughs> See? That makes sense so to me. In, in that sense, if you're embracing the newness and, and creating newness in your relationship, then you're changing that two to three year explanation mm-hmm. of when things move to familiar. Mm-hmm. But naturally and automatically, that tends to happen for most people in a two- to three-year time period. Mm-hmm. So now you're back at baseline. So if you're back at baseline, then what's happening is my natural and automatic choices that I make in enrichment and also in management 
are going to work against the relationship mm -hmm. instead of for the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I need to be aware mm -hmm. of what those are. And it becomes tricky because my idea of moving towards you might be your experience of me moving against you. Mm. And that can happen in either the enrichment or the management. Mm. See, mm -hmm. And so this is where uh, books that are very helpful, like Gary Chapman's The Five Love Language in, mm -hmm. in the enrichment part, is being aware of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, if my primary love language is us having sex, but your primary love language is not that, mm -hmm. if we're away and then we come together again, like after a business trip or something, and I'm saying, hey, man, it's so great to see you. I got a great way on how you can feel loved right now. <laughs> and if she says, yeah. Where, where's I, my gift? <laughs> I, okay, go fix the toilet. Yeah. You know, that yeah. would be wonderful. Yeah. See, so mm -hmm. um, we have to really be intentional mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. and, and also, we have to um, make adjustments when the old plan no longer works in current time, mm -hmm. and I need a new, new way of how I'm going to create the impact of love. Mm -hmm. I need to be current, see? So I have to be intentional and current and um, how I communicate if I'm loving you on my terms or if I'm loving you on your terms. Mm, that's see? really good. So Kathy and I had this reoccurring problem where... I'm thinking she's going to feel like I love her by bringing her flowers mm -hmm. or bringing her the flowers that I wanted her to have <laughs> <laughs> rather than the flower that she would like to have. Mm -hmm. See, So every time I did that, that was actually a message to her that I was loving her on my terms. Mm. That makes sense to me. See? So we've all I, felt that. Yeah. So uh, and I'm my response is, man, I went out of my way to love you and you don't feel loved. Come on. You have to feel loved. Mm -hmm. Look at the flowers. Look what I did. Yeah. <laughs> See, it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's just like an ongoing thing. Mm -hmm. um, as important as the enrichment communication, being aware and being intentional and making the follow-through changes in attitude and action that you need. It's actually more important in terms of a predictor that I'm doing a good job in this in the management. Mm -hmm. And there's way more ways that I can get off track <laughs> in the management than there are ways in the enrichment mm -hmm. that I can get mm -hmm. off track. And so that's... That's where the research has been really helpful in giving us a whole bunch of specifics to become aware about mm. in this area. Mm. I love how you always back things up with research. It's helpful. It really is helpful. So, so it's, it's really about getting outside of yourself and, and taking into consideration where the other person, what, what is meaningful to them, not, not what It can't is, be on my terms. Yeah. It's an us. Yeah. That's really hard. That's it's a, not natural. Yeah, it's not natural. Maybe in the beginning. Yeah. But it doesn't stay natural. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, everybody who's been married for mm -hmm. five years, you know, is more is nodding mm -hmm. their heads right now. So how... it. It, I'm sure for, especially if there's conflict in the relationship, I'm sure that it feels like if I am doing the relationship on your terms and or a our terms instead of a my ter mm -hmm. my terms, mm -hmm. why does that feel weak for some people? Okay, so um, like I don't want to do that. People are afraid that they lose themselves mm -hmm. in the relationship. Yeah. I lose my voice. I lose myself. Yeah. What about me? The us becomes an us on your terms. Mm -hmm. See? And so the awareness and the attitude change and the action follow-through that's different is when you have two people who say, let's 
intentionally commit to and follow through the development, protection, and nurturing of three identities, the you, the me, and the us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can't have two out of the three. Mm -hmm. It can't be, I really, really want an us, but it has to be an us on my terms, so you have to disappear. Mm. Or, in some cases... Uh, it's I really, really want to have an us, and I really, really want you to have a you, and I'll disappear for the sake of you and us. Mm. Yeah, that's an over accommodation. Yeah, both or are... a pattern of I'll defer to you. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. and so two out of the three aren't going to get you to group number three, mm-hmm. stable and satisfied. That makes sense. So, so uh, these become. Hard choices, but intentional choices that can actually accomplish that objective. Mm-hmm. And the more people bump into their differences, the more that becomes an opportunity for them to demonstrate an I choose us approach. Yeah. Rather than a I choose you or an I choose me. Because mm-hmm. if I'm choosing you, that might not mean I'm choosing us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I a thousand percent agree with that. Yeah. And I, I do see this, and I'm sure you would agree. I see men, it seems like men choose you over me because they think that that's going to save us because they don't want to fight. It's like, the they father knows best syndrome, Yeah. right? Yeah. I'm male, therefore I have to be right. Yeah. Because I'm male. Yes. Or but I'm saying I I'm saying I think a lot of men just like fine. Like they just say fine, even though in their mind they're not fine because okay. they, they don't want the conflict. Yes. So that's another possibility. Yes, yes. And that's just I mean, it, and it can go both ways yes. where somebody wants to solve it, wants to fix it, like really fix it. And the other person, just for the sake of it going away, says, okay, but they're really not okay yeah. with... and then you'll resent it. Yes. And then it causes more separation. Yes. Even though it looks like you're complying. Yes, so. yes. And I think that the person who's on the receiving end of fine, mm-hmm. I think that they ultimately know that the yes. other person is not fine. It's and not an I choose us message. Yeah, it's them. not an I choose us message. Mm-hmm. And I think that while the other person's building resentment, this person is build, they're losing respect yes. for the this exactly person who's just fo- folding. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I don't, I don't want to be with either. You yes. Know? I don't want to be with the folder. That, and I don't, that's not <laughs> a group number three description. It's not a group number three. Yeah. Description, but I I can see how it can keep people in group number two though. It, it can keep you together, but not glad you're together. Yeah, yeah. When I was growing up, my um, you know, my mom was my mom had a temper and she was feisty and dramatic and mm-hmm. everything was an issue. And I saw my dad just you know himself and telling mm-hmm. us all the time just just it keep the peace like mm-hmm. just. You know, mm-hmm. so that's yeah. I, I that was modeled for yes. me. Like yes. you just keep the peace at all costs, even if. And I I was looking at that as a child, thinking, Dad, mm-hmm. like you don't that really work. believe this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And so, um, and it, so it makes a difference not only in your relationship, but it makes a difference in with your children and yes. your family. You know, keeping the peace at all costs is not... It totally trickles down. Yes. yes. So let, let's talk about some of these specifics from the research. And okay. I, especially in terms of the first A of raising awareness of what naturally and automatically happens. So mm-hmm. let's, let's look first at automatic couple patterns, and then we'll look more personally at individual patterns. Okay. Okay. So uh, if you boil it down, there's actually four common repeating patterns within couples. Okay. And it boils down to the fight and flight response. So you can have both people doing the fight-fight response Mm -hmm. when they're bumping into a difference or problem or Mm -hmm. conflict. 
You could have both people doing the flee, flee response. That's the keep the peace. Both people are saying that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you can have one person doing the flee and one person doing the fight, and then you can have the reverse. Mm-hmm. So those are your four patterns. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you just look at what's most common in the U.S. in terms of men and women in relationships, whether you're married or not married, mm-hmm. it's the male is fleeing and the female is fighting. Mm-hmm. That's the most – now, you, you see all four common – I mean all four patterns occurring. Right. But the most common is this. Now, if you look at that fourth pattern a little more closely, a very interesting thing emerges because if you interview each person, each person would not identify that they're doing something negative for the relationship. And in many cases, they even think they're doing something positive yeah. for the relationship. Yeah. That makes See? sense to me. So if you interview the guys who were in that pattern number four who were fleeing, mm-hmm. and you say, hey, you know, your, your wife kind of describes you as a fleer in the relationship. What do you think about that? <laughs> fleeing? I'm not a fleer. I'm a man. Mm-hmm. Well, what? why would she say that? Well, you know, I think my wife really does love me, but I don't understand why, but it, sometimes it just seems like she's trying to pick a fight. And so I've learned that the best way to deal with that is to disengage rather than fuel it. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, it'll kind of blow over and we can get back to normal and move on again. So I'm trying to do a good thing for the relationship by not engage it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you do the flip and you interview the wife or the woman, hey, um, you know, you're your husband or your boyfriend says that um, in your relationship, you're like the fighter. Mm-hmm. You pick fights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that about? <laughs> I'm not picking a fight. Well, tell me what you're doing. Well, you know, like all couples, we have our problems. And so who wants to have a problem in their relationship? And so in order to get rid of the problem, you have to engage the other person. And I, I think my husband loves me, but I don't know why. He doesn't seem to engage with me when we need to resolve things. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to engage him. This is very familiar. Yes. (laughs) It's the most common pattern, right? So what we have... Is this common in your relationship, Kev? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no comment on that. (laughs) Smart man. See, there you go. You're demonstrating it. Lack of communication in this particular conversation for me is... So, so what develops in that fourth pattern is extremely common. It's what we call the pursuer-withdrawer pattern. And one actually fuels the other one to do more of what they do. So the more I feel there's a need to engage and I try to engage and see you disengage, the more I'm going to try harder to engage you. Yeah. And as I'm moving towards you and I see you moving away... I keep moving forward, but you keep moving away. As I'm moving away and I see you moving towards me, the more I see you moving towards me, the more I'm going to move away. So it tends to fuel itself as a negative loop. And I'm sure, let's just say the women in this particular situation, because it's the most common, I'm sure every time she's moving, at least it's been my experience, that that it just becomes more aggressive. Yes, it, it gets more negative it's, in its yes. escalation. Yes, and it's, it's not, I'm not even saying yelling. I'm just saying, like, you're trying so hard to get them to understand how you yes. feel, so you're going to come at it from this angle, yes. and now you're going to try this angle, and now you're going to try this angle, and you're still not getting it, so mm-hmm. here I come again, and I'm going to give you example after example. And, and I'm trying harder and harder, yep. and I'm making it harder and harder. Yep, and... And it's only causing more problems because he's moving. So that's the automatic. See how we need to be aware. Now, that's just one of four patterns. So you could be any one of the four patterns. But those are are the four common couple patterns. So we'd want any couple to be really familiar and aware of what happens naturally and automatically Mm -hmm. with us. If I miss that step, 
I'm not even going to begin to get to what do we need to do intentionally. Yeah. Okay. Now. So first you got to get a diagnosis. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's a, you know, couple diagnosis, yeah. a self-diagnosis. Yeah. So that's where I have to be aware of the two levels, the mm-hmm. up above level. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. This is what needs to happen instead. Mm-hmm. But then it's important to know what's motoring all this? Mm-hmm. Why do I do this? Mm-hmm. And then what's going to be involved in this being a sustained change for me? Mm-hmm. It's not just like skills. Because mm-hmm. I can know the skills, but if I'm not dealing with my motor, it's not going to sustain it. So, yeah. see. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's like an initial couple thing. Mm-hmm. Now, at the individual level, there's a whole host of things that researchers have come up with, and some of them have overriding parallels or themes. Uh, if I was going to try to summarize everything into the like one lowest common denominator, mm-hmm. I would say it's going to involve control strategies. There's a variety of different control strategies. Or another word you could substitute would be coping strategies mm-hmm. that I use, mm-hmm. okay, that everybody does when they're learning, especially when I get this sense of things not being okay or not being safe or not being good. That's when I kick in to even stronger automatic. Sure. See? And there's even a biology behind this. Mm-hmm. So... In our normal problem discussion, problem solution, problem resolution work that we do, we're working in a particular part of our brain. It's the prefrontal cortex. This is where we do analysis, problem solving, logic, Mm -hmm. okay? When we're working on problems, what also tends to happen is our emotions get involved. Yep. And when our emotions get involved to a certain level of being stirred up, negative emotional experience in my brain relocates me in my brain to my midbrain. And this is where I do fight or flight Mm. when I feel like it's not safe. Mm. When I'm in my midbrain, it's impossible to be in my forebrain, prefrontal cortex. Interesting. I will never solve anything from my midbrain. That is very interesting. I will only do more fight or flight, which is really good if a bear's on my trail. Right. But it's really bad for relationship work. Yeah. So if I'm operating and if we're always operating you know, we've moved from logical to to this other part of our brain that doesn't solve anything. It's, that's like survival part of our brain. Yes, fight or flight. Yes, and I bet every, I bet most people are in when they're in a fight or when they're not getting along right. or when they're disagreeing about something. It quickly moves from, very fast. Yes, from the front yes. to the and and so you have to recognize it's really that's important. the awareness thing. Yes, that. You're not going to solve anything as long as you're residing. Not only that, but you're set up to make it worse relationally. That is really important to know. Now, this has even been quantified by some researchers, John Gottman especially, where he has couples in his love lab Mm -hmm. wired up physiologically. Mm. He's measuring things like heart rate, blood pressure, galvanic skin response, how much we're sweating. (laughs) Even even has a seat squirmer indicator. Wow. Okay. And and he has been able to determine, unless you're an athlete where your cardiovascular is really strong, you should not be talking about relational problems if your heart rate is over 80 beats per minute. <laughs> we all need to put on one of those yes. little <laughs> monitors. <laughs> Can't talk anymore, honey. I'm at 90. (laughs) And so when I'm crossing that threshold, 
I'm in my midbrain. Biologically speaking, mm-hmm. I can't do something that's relationally constructive. I'm, I'm set up to do something like survival. Either I'm going to challenge the bear or outrun the bear. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But relationally, I'm only going to make things worse. Wow. So it's having that awareness of when I'm getting flooded. Yep. That's the common term, flooded. Um, DPA, diffuse physiological arousal, is the researcher's term. But if, if you can just get a sense of, hey, I'm kind of physically not feeling like my normal self here mm-hmm. <laughs> as we're talking about this, you might want to check your heart rate at that point <laughs> to see if you're in the right part of your brain to do the work that you're trying to do. And if you're not... Yes, good question. Then what? I mean, because it needs to get resolved. You don't keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You take a time out. Okay? It's not a withdrawal or an escape, which is a unilateral decision. This becomes a joint decision that says... I, I don't think we can do good work right now. I, I need some time mm-hmm. to get back to a constructive part of my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I have some time? Mm-hmm. And then l- let's reconvene. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll do the work when the right part of our brain. And I bet the chaser the yes. has a very difficult time okay. taking that taking that break yeah so like the fleers love this timeout yeah. rule <laughs> right the so-called engagers <laughs> are saying that's like my worst idea yeah okay mm-hmm. so how do you counter that so the um the rules you have to have like rules of engagement sure. just like driving on the road sure i mean who's gonna like drive on the road if there's no stoplights or stop signs, right? right? Or lanes. So you have to have rules to mm-hmm. keep you to do this well. doing mm-hmm. things the way they need to work. So the timeout rules are anybody can call a timeout at any time, mm-hmm. but the timeout person has to also be the time-in person. That's the thing that breaks the pursuer withdrawal pattern. Got it. You also have a minimum timeout of 20 minutes because if a person taking their timeout is actually intentionally doing things that are calming themselves, bringing them back to baseline, it's still going to take them 20 minutes mm. doing a good job of getting there. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have a maximum timeout of 24 hours. And, and that's for the person who doesn't feel like they need the timeout to say, I'll give you at least that much time but I'm expecting you to re-engage with me. So this isn't like an eternal timeout. Right. So I'll have to like calm myself and wait for at least the maximum of 24 hours, mm-hmm. maybe less than that. Mm-hmm. It may be just one hour. It may be just 20 minutes. But mm-hmm. I know I'll never have to wait more than 24 hours mm-hmm. before you're calling the time in again. Interesting. And good. And so we both come back to do our harder work when we're at our best. Mm -hmm. And most of us tend to do our hardest work when we're at our worst. Mm. And then we just dig the hole deeper. Yep. Do more damage. Yeah. And it's all driven by positive intentions. Sure. Yes, of course. For a good relationship outcome. I'm doing what I'm doing for a good outcome. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Everybody just having a negative effect. Yep. So we have to be aware of not only, for me, how it goes negative, but I need to be aware of how it goes negative for you. Mm -hmm. So that's that first awareness piece. Really good. And then it's about being aware of what I would need to do differently to have a different outcome, because I can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome. Yep, yep. So during that timeout, it gives you an opportunity to reset and also get in your right mind so that you can look at things the way that you really need to see them. Yes. And in my midbrain, I'm not, it's impossible to do it. Yeah. When I'm in my midbrain, I won't be able to hear 
anything you're saying. I can't process it. it. It's, I mean, you could do the most eloquent job of speaking in the world, but if I'm in my midbrain, I can't hear it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's hard because, you know, the person who is is instigating or the chaser. I mean, mm-hmm. they feel like that's when they're doing some of their best work. More is better. <laughs> <laughs> Could you tell them that person? <laughs> uh, well, and they're thinking, I just want to solve this so we can get back yeah. to being a happy couple. Right. But that doesn't, that's not the answer for the other person. So there has to be a mutual respect. It has to be a two-person solution. Yeah, two-person solution. And, 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 and so part of that break is, is humbling yourself to get in the right mind, not only about yourself, but also considering the other person. Well, that's where it comes back to our three identities, the, the you, me, and us. It yeah. can't just be what works for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's especially about protecting the us. Yeah, yeah. And realizing what I do that, from your point of view, undermines the us. Mm-hmm. Which is a really difficult thing to mm-hmm. do in the middle of conflict. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're flooded, you can't do it. Yeah. That's why you have to get out of that Mm -hmm. physiological arousal Mm -hmm. to be able to even begin to grasp that. Mm -hmm. So you become aware. Yep. Become aware of both what makes it go bad and what needs to happen to make it go good. You change your attitude that this doesn't have to stay automatic, even though it is automatic. Mm -hmm. It can be intentional. Mm -hmm. It will take work. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I have to actually do the follow-through choices Mm -hmm. that gives that desired outcome or impact. And that's that's both for the enrichment as well as the uh, management part. So how do – if I – this is where I think it gets really, you know, difficult. Because sometimes in a relationship it's like if somebody – if there's an obvious problem – like an uh, like there's an uh, like you're 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 you do drugs and yeah. I don't want you to do drugs anymore. Right. And so that and that in my mind that's a very clear mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. this problem would go away yep. if you just decide not to. And right. so in in my mind and for lack of a better way to say it mm-hmm. like I'm right you're wrong mm-hmm. and for the betterment of us this mm-hmm. is th- so that's clear to me. Yeah. That's not. What's happening, I'm guessing, 99.9% of the time, that there's this clear right or wrong. It's that I think I'm right, and you think you're right, and neither one of us are really wrong. And so mm-hmm. so when, there's, when it's not clear, it's just like I'm looking at it from this perspective, and you're looking at it, we just mm-hmm. see it differently. Right. And we're, we are never going to agree that uh, on. So how do yeah. how, how do people resolve when the when the resolution is not so black and white? Okay, so uh, let me give you a really fun illustration on the positive side of enrichment. Okay. See, so we may have two different ideas about what makes us better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. See, you said that better. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, I have I have a couple uh, friends, long them, known them a long time, and they're also mental health professionals, both of them. And so they talked about when they first met each other. And so Terry says, you know, I really, really, really liked Sharon. And then I discovered that Sharon really, really, really likes ballet. And I knew that I really, really, really hated ballet. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're married over 40 years. And I said, well, so how's the ballet thing working out? (laughs) And he says, well, us really likes ballet. (laughs) That's a great way to say it. (laughs) I said, well, how's that work? I hate it, but us loves it. (laughs) Well, I still hate ballet, but us likes the experience that we share around ballet. I like the idea of us having a special date. I like the idea of us dressing up together. 
I like the idea of us actually being there, people watching, the conversations we're able to have during and, and even afterwards. I like our shared uh, time afterwards, after dinner, drink, or eating. Mm-hmm. Um, I like our come-home experience after the ballet. I bet us, you us loves ballet. <laughs> I still hate ballet. <laughs> That is the perfect... Isn't that a great example? Yes, yes. So it's all three identities. Yep. See? You can love it. I can hate it. Us loves it together. Yeah. And that's what... Like, all three are important. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, if you're going to be married, you've really got to keep us... Yeah. ...as important. And as, as we build us choices over time, we grow in us-ness. But it's not at the loss of either one of us. Yeah. We each have our voice. We each can be different. So self doesn't disappear, but self has to get out of the way mm-hmm. of us. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the underlying motor where self gets in the way. Yeah. And that's where in our previous talk, the faith part can really be the empowering part for that to be able to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, self-absorption, selfishness, self-protection, self-condemnation, all of those self-dangers get in the way of usness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not just a matter of information and skills that are going to take care of that. Yeah. When, when you came the first time, I uh, asked you, like, how... You know, and it's kind of what gave me the idea of having a conversation about faith in okay. in a relationship. But I asked you, like, how important is faith in the success of all this? Mm-hmm. And you said, in so many words, it's the most important. Yes. Like it's, it. I believe that. Yes, it's the it is the change maker, mm-hmm. and I a thousand percent agree with you because Tova alone. Tova alone, my default, my baseline is all about me. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very easy for me to, to be self-absorbed, to think that I'm right, to want it to go my way, um, and to not have compassion or a lot of grace. Yeah. I mean, really, when it comes to... to yes. My we need to expand our way of thinking of how self is a problem, though. Because sometimes when we just think of selfish is like a, a narcissistic, entitled person. But that's just one way that self is a problem. I can be just self-reliant. Mm. That's going to be a relationship problem. Mm. See, I can be self-protective. Mm-hmm. I may not be selfish, mm-hmm. but I'm living behind my fig leaves. Mm-hmm. You don't get to know me. Yep. See? So self, 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 self. There's all kinds of self-dangers that are going to be working against the us-ness outcome. Yeah. Information and skills are necessary but insufficient Mm -hmm. for really transforming that to free that up. Mm -hmm. So speak real quick on... um the, you touched on the love languages, mm-hmm. and I I love those, um, and I believe in those. So uh, how I think those are really important when it comes to the intentional part mm-hmm. of a relationship. How do you how do you help couples if if my love language is like you use the example sex. If my mm-hmm. love language is sex, I feel connected, I feel mm-hmm. loved when we have sex, and mm-hmm. your love language is take out the trash. Right. Um, how do we how do we really what are some thought processes that we can have to get out of what comes natural for me mm-hmm. and I'm thinking more about you when it doesn't come natural for me to take out the trash. Because right. if you're if if I'm never taking out the trash and you're telling me it means like I love you comes loud and clear yes. when you take out the trash, but right. it's not my default. And 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 you're not intentionally hurting me and I'm not intentionally hurting you. 
how do we make those things? How do we, what are the thought processes to to change our thinking? So I, I have to embrace the truth that you're not me. (laughs) (laughs) and it works differently for you Mm -hmm. than it works for me and that's hard that's such a simple silly thing to say but that the reality of that is hard and if i truly want you to have the impact of love it can't be on my terms that would be me loving you for my sake or my way, which isn't really for you. Mm-hmm. So when both people can free themselves up with that, what it becomes is it's a choice on my part that's not driven by a feeling. It's a choice on my part that's driven by intentionality of knowing this is what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. And it might even cost me to make that choice. Yeah, I bet. I think it will. Yeah, (laughs) but that's all the more an evidence of it being a loving choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is a really important thing for you to say because I think that it can be easy for someone, like if I know that, that sex isn't as important to you as it is to me, but you're making that initiative, it can feel fake. It can feel phony because deep in my soul, I know that that's not you, but it's, it's not phony. It's actually very sweet. And it could be an even greater choice of love than if I actually had sex as my love language. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you see in most couples that their love languages are different? That they yeah, I've actually done quite a few surveys at like marriage retreats about this. Mm-hmm. And although it sometimes happens mm-hmm. that couples are the same, mm-hmm. it most happens where they're different. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think it has to do with just what becomes attractive to yeah. us. Yeah. So do you, do you still do retreats? Yes, Oh, do you have any coming up that no. people can go to? Uh, no, you but should. we do have, uh, <laughs> Kathy and I are starting this new venture that we call Zoe, mm-hmm. and it's from the Greek word that means life from above, mm-hmm. life of God. Okay. And uh, if you look in the Bible, there's three different Greek words for life. There's bios, there's suke, which we get the word psychology from, bios, biology, hmm. but then Zoe, and this is... This is the life that's the fullness of life. This is flourishing life. This is like in the garden life. Mm. See? And so what we're wanting to do is to bring what we call psychoeducation programs. They're information, skills-based. It's not a therapy program. It's like curriculum design, Mm -hmm. uh, small group set up. So you can really acquire the right information and the right skills and and acquire the AAA model Mm -hmm. on how you actually set things in motion uh, and to move out of autopilot and into intentionality. Wow. So those those will work kind of like um, an informal university. So we're calling it ZOAU. Oh, that's cool. So we'll have like 101, 102, 103, and and we'll have really predictable areas of life and relationships uh, that we're trying to cover some basics that people can uh, get and put to use without having to like be in individual or couples therapy to make use of. So when will this start? Good question. Are you forming We're, it all right it's now? It's in the works right now. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And do you have website? Do you have any of that up? Or we just got some domains, okay. and we haven't built the website yet. Okay. So we're we're just putting it together well, as we're building us... the plane as we fly it right okay. now. Yeah. Well, you got to keep us posted. I'm okay. sure a lot of people. And so, uh, before we go, if somebody, I I forgot to say this the first two times you were here, but people often. <laughs> 
or a lot several people after they heard yes. you were like, I need his number. Okay. So how do people find have, you? Yes. So if people uh, want to come see you. Um I can give you a phone number right now. I can give yeah. you a website. All of it. That we have. Okay. So our phone number is 214-265-1400. Okay. So I'm in a group practice, and it's called Southwest Clinical and Forensics. Our website is swcf.net. Okay. And they can get an appointment mm-hmm. at all that? Yep. All that? I have you on. I have, I have your cell phone. Speed dial. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know how to find All you. Right. Well, thank you, Dr. Barnes. Thank you so, so much, Tom. So helpful. I really appreciate it. I know everybody else does, thank too. Thank you. Y'all have a great week.